Well, I set myself to to continue the series on the missing dimension, looking at the church of Thyatira. But things changed lately, during the week. In fact, I wrote a brief article during the week called God is our refuge and strength. And I received some feedback. And some of them were like this, for people who read the article. So much needed in my life. A beautiful exhortation. Thanks for this word of encouragement. The word is very wonderful and uplifting. And obviously, I also received a lot of this. I don't know what it means, but quite a few of them, like this. I don't know what it means. Then a burden came on my heart to share about God being our deliverer and our protection and the critical needs to trust Him no matter what one might be going through. We will look at the testimony of the Lord delivering Israel out of Egypt. Now, this became a burden on me for a few days because I realized that many of us, if not all of us, are genuinely burdened by a lot of issues. Not to mention the general economic situation and the gloomy forecast. I heard yesterday that by the end of the year we could, the inflation rate could hit 14%. I heard that some houses are being dispossessed. Some people will begin to lose jobs because small and medium businesses are about to start closing. So we came from COVID, the government hasn't finished to deal with uh, the public debt, there is already another crisis, and there is the Ukraine versus Russia going on. Where is uh, hope? But we have hope in Jesus Christ regardless of what happened, because we have peace with God. Our joy is not dependent on surrounding changes. No. Our joy is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Apostle could say, count as joy, the many tribulations. How can you count as joy? It's the peace of God that gives joy, assurance and boldness. It's important that we encourage one another. It's important that we will remind one another that God cares. In the article I wrote this, God does not delight in our turmoil. He delights in giving us His peace. So, 
Our main reading will be from Exodus 14. Now, when preparing the message, I struggled a little bit because I thought, but this passage is known by everybody. There's nothing new, there's nothing to say about the passage. There's nothing more we can learn about the passage. It's a historical fact. So why am I going to teach them? And then in my heart, you can just read. You can read together. That's edifying too. I say, okay, we're going to continue there. Do not expect anything special with this, but quite a lot of reading and see how the Lord leads us. The title. The title of this message is The Battle is the Lord's. Apostrophe S, the Lord's. In other words, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1 to 15. That's Exodus 14, verse 1 to 15. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and come before by her highways between Middle and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon. You shall come before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are, be, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Verse 4. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Verse 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servant was turned against the people. And they say, Why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. Verse 8. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt and he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Verse 9. So the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army and overtook them camping by the sea beside by her high wolf before Baal, the Pharaoh. Verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. King James' version has, they were so afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Verse 11. Then they said to Moses, 
Because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt with us? To bring us up out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptian whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Verse 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forth. Amen. Okay. So, where to start? The Lord instructs the Israelites to turn back and to come before a place called uh, by Hyros, between Migdor and the sea, opposite Baal, the farm. Migdor was a place where the Egyptians had their watchtower, which allowed them to control, to monitor all the surrounding area by the sea. They could control all that place. What is happening here? The children of Israel, they come from wherever they were coming from, and they just wandering in the desert and quite happy to move forward, provided they make some move, and they get to a place called Etham. Etham? No, Etham. But that place is a dead end. They can no longer move. But they did not know that before. They were just moving and moving, and they get there, and they try to come. The Lord says to Moses, Turn back! Turn back! Southward, turn back. They turn back, they come, and the place the Lord allowed them to come is just under this What's that place? Migdol. Just under the watch of the Egyptians. Oh, oh, that's really unsafe. They were safer. Northwest was there. But the Lord asked them to come back and to come and come right there. Oh, by that time, Pharaoh realized that, oh, the workforce is gone. The workforce is gone. And certainly with his intelligence service, 
from the washer, we can see that they're just here. Do you know what happened? Pharaoh pursues them. He pursues them and pass the place they were. To do what? To encircle them. But God knew that already. Look. Look at the verse. Um, three. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. So the mighty Pharaoh was playing in the hand of the almighty God of Israel. Without knowing it. He was persuaded and convinced that he's going to finish them off. But God's purpose was being fulfilled. You know, uh, there is a saying in French, we say, Dieu écrit droit avec des lignes courbes. Right, straight, but like this. You don't see it. You don't see the up and down. But as far as God is concerned, it's a straight line. So all the wandering around of the Israelites, you know, getting lost and panicking, etc., God was undisturbed. He had a clear plan. In fact, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, uh, which the Jehovah Witnesses have twisted, yeah, they, they like twisted that, that scripture. When Moses asked the Lord, so if they ask me who has sent me, what should I say? The Lord said, Go and tell him, I am. I have always been there, the eternal one, Jehovah. The Israelites had the revelation of God at that time. As the creator, the eternal one, the one who has always been there. It looks to me that that's all they knew about him. Very quickly forgetting the ten plagues, what has happened in Egypt, very quickly. And there seems to be a pattern of the Israelites forgetting very quickly the big things God is doing. You will see. They just crossed the Red Sea on dry ground on the 25th day since they left Egypt. On the 28th day, they get to Marah, to the bitter world, they complain again. So God, who had split the big, mighty Red Sea, is not able to give them water. But before them, they're standing in front of the Red Sea. They look at Moses, they say, so there was no grave in Egypt? Listen to what they say. Verse 12. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the desert. In other words, slavery was better than freedom. Do you remember in John 8, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you remember the context? The people were saying, we've never been slaves. Huh? We've never been slaves. Really? Wow, the Lord, the master of Marvel. You've never been slaves. 430 years. Never been slaves. Why do you celebrate Passover then? What does that mean to you? We've never been in bondage to anyone. Deny. But look at what is happening here. People saved, redeemed, delivered by God. They say, we prefer slavery. I'm jumping a little bit all over the place here. But there are believers who have been redeemed by Christ. In the face of a bit of suffering, they start thinking going back in the world. They go to pay money for consultancy to psychologists. The word of God is no longer enough. Psychology now. The new God. Doesn't the Bible say we bring down, casting down every argument, every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God? Well, psychology, let's call it a uh, psychological salvation is really prospering these days because of issues and problems everybody is in psychology now well we elders are no longer allowed if I was in America to counsel anybody unless I have a degree in psychology because Peter and Paul and James had one degree in psychology what kind of nonsense is that? And we are invented. The Bible is no longer enough. People want the Bible and something else. Not under our leadership in this church. In the interim. Because we pray for the Lord to provide a pastor. And when he comes, we will find the same mindset. Anything less than that, we will resist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm revealing you my plan. <laughs> Psychology is a problem. Psychology is in competition with the Word of God. In the olden time, it used to be philosophy. Now it's psychology. One preacher in America said, Jesus Christ came to restore human dignity and to restore human self-esteem. <laughs> Sin is now called a disease, a sickness, a disorder needing psychological intervention. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where is hope? And believers themselves are into it. Without remedy. Impossible to bring them back. But you know what? When psychology started, in its pure form, it was the Christians who were doing that as they were going through counseling. It was called the cure of the soul. They were helping people to come out of their sinful life and see what was holding them back. It was part of the Christian ministry. 
but he wasn't called psychology as such. Let me leave that because that in itself is a sermon. Let me go back. I will divert because uh, it's really painful. So you see, believers, they have the Bible. The Bible is no longer enough. No wonder we're not moving forward as the body of Christ because people have multiple sources of inspiration and then we've been trapped. What psychologists have done, they've now taken a bit of Bible verses, twist a little bit, confuse a little bit, and come up with something called Christian psychology to make it more acceptable and believe, yes, yes, yes. What about the Word of God? Did the church in the New Testament need psychologists? I'm going to tell you something, take it from me. I'm giving you a homework. Go and search all the Bibles you know in English and see if you can find the word negative and positive. It's not there. But I challenge you, in a few years' time, you will see those words in it. When it's happened, remember where you heard it first. Sad. They're working very hard. Because it's all about being positive, being negative. They will do all they can to include those words in the Bible. In the Bible, we have words such as believe, trust, faith, faithfulness. We don't have positive and negative. The Bible doesn't say be positive. The Bible says have faith, trust in God. When those things begin to happen, remember where you heard them. Negative, positive. It's all about negative and positive. In other words, one pastor said to tell people that they are sinners is offending them. In other words, the Bible itself is offending. Because when I look at the Bible, it tells me, Gee, you are a sinner. I think it was Isaac Newton. English, English is very good. All this Newton. John Newton, Isaac Newton, Isaac Watts. Okay. They have something in common. All of them were very intelligent and they all believe in God. But the father of modern physics, I think that one is Isaac Newton, I think it is. He said, I only know two types of people. The ones who recognize that they are sinners and are in search for the Savior. Wow! The father of modern physics. That's what he considered to be an intelligent person. The one who recognizes a sinner and is in desperate need for a Savior. Okay. Back to the topic. In verse 8, we are told that the children of Israel went out with boldness. Mm. Verse 8, the children of Israel went out with boldness. And we have a bit more information in Numbers 33, verse 7. Numbers 33, verse 7 adds, in the sight of all the Egyptians. So they went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. What application can we make? Why is that important and relevant to us? Well, when we became Christians, we got baptized. On the confession of our faith, 
we made the public confessions for Christ. Everybody saw it. I have decided to follow Jesus publicly. And you sustain a great spiritual battle for the Lord. And now, in the face of difficulties, we begin to doubt God, His words, and His promises. How sad. They went out of Egypt with boldness in the sight of everybody. God has accomplished a great deliverance. Now they are doubting God. Verse 10, the children of Israel were so afraid, they cried out to the Lord. Well, there's nothing wrong with crying out to the Lord. But some, some, some crying out, some prayers can just be selfish. Well, can I just say something here in the matter of prayers? We do not believe in prayer as an impersonal power that makes things happen. Amen. Should I say that again? We do not believe in prayer as an impersonal power, psychic power, that just makes things happen. Why am I saying that? Because some prayer God does not receive them. Just saying things will not make things happen. Prayer is not psychic. That is for the word of faith movement. Who think by saying things, they make things happen. That's the word of faith movement and it is heretical. We believe that God is sovereign. We pray to the Lord, He is the one who decides on the term and the timing and the quality of the answer. Prayer should keep us humble. God, do you know that David even prayed for the Lord to hear, to receive his prayer? With some of the prayers, God doesn't receive them. Therefore, if we think that just by opening mouth, power, prayer, prayer, we're making things happen, that's deception. Praying is humbling before God. And bringing our petition to God. There are different types of prayers. Intercession, supplication, thanksgiving, worship. All those things are not to be confused. Well, I can gossip behind him because he's not here. There was a day we were here worshiping the Lord as we were doing today. And everybody was praising the Lord and praising the Lord. And then our fourth son open his Bible in the midst of that prayer and say uh, the, the, the fruit of the womb is a blessing. I said, what is this? I'm your dad but I'm offended. This is not the time for that. Your five is enough. And he read, blessed the man who are full of them. I said, what is this? In the midst of worship, I don't think that's kind of inspiration. And I had a good word with him at home. Well, it's a Bible verse but it's out of place. Be in the service. Be in the spirit. 
listen, understand the direction God is leading. Don't break the present worship. Lord, you know I'm so weak. No! We are in the front, the front of the front of God. Exalting the name of God. I'm sorry, Lord, for my nightmare yesterday. Well, say that quietly. If we don't know how to do that, learn from others how to present worship God because it slows down. It moves us back. When people begin to pray, their heart, their spirit is in the Lord. We contemplating the Lord in the book of Revelation, His throne, we're blessing Him. Do you understand these things? Oh, dear friends. Maybe two weeks away means there's a lot to say. Oh, okay, let's come back to the topic. So, the children of God, of Israel, were so afraid and cried out to the Lord. Mm. And the Lord said, why are you crying out? Go forward. There's nothing wrong with crying out to the Lord. But we are called to cry out to the Lord earnestly in faith. To some extent, faith is the opposite of fear. This kind of prayer here, in fear, in panic here, that's not what God is after. Now, God wants people who pray earnestly. The prevailing prayer, earnest prayer, out of faith and trust in God. But that's not what happened here. No wonder God looked at them to why are you crying now because he saw their heart. So stand up and move forward. There is a difficult passage somewhere there in between. God say, says, go forward. And Moses said to them, stand still. Or should they cho 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 choose to stand still or to go forward? Well, the difficulty could be resolved in this way. Their mindsets. One aspect is spiritual. The other aspect is physical. Spiritually speaking, when you have pressing issues, you are likely to run in every position, to rush. Even to outrun, if that was possible, God himself. Moses said, don't do that. Stand still. Remain in that position. Move forward with the Lord in him. Don't run away. You don't know where to go. You are completely locked in the corner. All you have is the Red Sea. You have the watchtower there. You have the feral army surrounding you. Where are you going to? You don't know the way. Stand still. Move at the Lord's pace. Then Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. Which you will show today. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold peace. Hmm. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold peace. 
the believers in Rome, Paul says this in Romans chapter 16, verse 20. And shortly the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. That's the same word he gave to the Israelites through Moses to strengthen them. And that's the same we're doing this morning. We're telling you the same. Not my word. I'm here to strengthen you because I am 100% convinced that each one of us has anxieties and issues and pressing issues. Some of them have no solution. I'm standing here to tell you trust in the Lord. Move forward with the Lord. It's very easy to say because of this problem, oh, I can't even pray. I'm staying home. When everything comes down, then I will go to prayer meeting. Wrong. It's where there is the pressing situation, when the cross was approaching fast, that where the Lord prayed as never before. It's the opposite. It's when the situation intensified, that's where we need the strengthening from the Lord. Because when everything is calm and nice, prayer could be sometimes complacent. But when there is pressure there, it's a different type of prayer. Do you remember David in 2 Samuel chapter 22, I think it is? Samuel said, um, David said, I call, I called upon the Lord. And then he said, I cried unto the Lord. And my voice entered his ears. Praying, calling upon the Lord is one thing. But crying unto the Lord in desperation is another thing. And the Lord delights with that kind of prayer from that place of a contrite heart. Complete dependence, reliance, trust in the Lord. That's what God wants. God doesn't want this. Lord, I bless you for the weather. Today is 39 degrees. <laughs> Blessed be your name because you always listen to me. Zero. It makes nice, makes you feel nice, but it doesn't cross this ceiling. I told uh, someone from the World of Faith movement that... Uh, because they say, if you strongly believe in something and you pray, it will happen. I say, okay, let's put that to test. If I support Chelsea and you support Arsenal and there's only one cup to win, and you believe strongly that we take one, see, we have to take it. Fake. The Lord said to the people, why are you crying out to me? Go forward. Dear brethren, as a congregation, as a church, as a local body of Christ, we need to move forward and God will exalt through you and I. God will build up this church through you and I. 
if you get discouraged, and if I get discouraged, and if we all get discouraged, what would happen? What would happen? If our dear sisters and brothers who pray tirelessly get tired, get discouraged, and they no longer pray, what would happen? Remember Joshua versus the Amalekites. How Moses on the hill was praying with her and Aaron. Remember that? Okay. As he lifted his hand, Joshua was winning. And as he lowered his hand, the Israelites were losing. But in the end, Israel prevailed. What did God say? He said to Moses, write down the account of what has happened and tell Joshua. He doesn't know. Joshua was in the ground, probably thinking, I'm the strategist. I'm the one making things happen because of my plans. The Lord said, no, tell him what has happened on the hill. Write down so that he knows what has happened. And he will tell to other generations as well. Mm-hmm. What does Moses do? Moses does not just write and say this. Now he built an altar. And he gave a name to that altar. The Lord is my banner. Yahweh Nisi. And then he gave an explanation. Why? Because the Lord has purpose that he will war against the Amalekite for all generations. In other words, it's not just a victory today. But it's a victory forever. Therefore, let us raise his banner. Which shows the Lord victory. Which shows our identity as belonging to God. Which shows our unity as a body, as the army of God. Do you know what happened when England is playing or any other team, national team in the World Cup? Even here in England, what do we see? We see flags. Each car has a flag for their team that is playing on that day. They are under that banner. They show unity, solidarity with their country. <laughs> Yahweh Nisi. We raise his anthem, his banner. In him, we have victory. What Moses did was a proclamation of the sovereign power of God, a trust, a demonstration of faith that what has happened today under the Lord's banner, we will continue to be victorious with Him as a body, as a church. Do we recognize what the Lord has done so far in our midst? In the days of desperation, when we gather there, without not knowing where to go. When some people say, they're going to close. Everything is going to go wrong. They're going to fail. They know nothing. This and that's fine. Praise the Lord. That's fine. But we sought the Lord. Amen. Yahweh missing it. And here we are. And He will take us forward. And He will build up His church. And He will provide for what is lacking. I will build my church, he says, and the gate of the Hades will not prevail. And God will deal with every spirit that seeks to destroy his world in this place. 
should we as a congregation together move forward with God at hand to lead, to guide Yahweh Nisi for the Lord to use this place to save people and for us to grow in maturity for us to be revived as we eagerly await from heaven his blessed appearing may the Lord bring increase here because church growth is biblical may people find salvation here may the young and the feeble and the weak grow stronger in Christ in this place may the Lord defeat his enemies Yahweh Nisi The Lord tells Moses what to do and reveals his plan. But before we can skip all that, that history. So what's next? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He fights for his people and protects them. The protection that went in front of the Israelites now was behind them. Hmm. The pillar of fire, the cloud, the sign of God in the daytime and in the nighttime moved from the front of the Israelites and went in the back as they were crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. The protection went behind them. The same protection was light in the night time for the Israelites as they were moving forward the same was projecting darkness for the Egyptians and something happened the wheels of the mighty chariot were breaking down and they were being slowed down, they were discouraged, you know. You can imagine how fast the Israelites were walking, you know, with the elderly, you know, the uh, expecting mother pregnant, and the children, the baby, the toddler. You can imagine the speed, and you can imagine the angry, you know, army of Pharaoh coming back on the chariot. The people who were riding the chariot were the best. The best. 600 of them. Well, I think the Israelite the men were about 600,000. I understand. So, each chariot was to deal with 1,000 people, able to kill 1,000 people. I can make that projection. But there is no agreement on the number, total number of the Israelite. But let's be conservative. Let's just use a family of three people. That's about 2 million people. Most scholars and researchers agree that it was about 2 million people crossing in one night. Can you imagine which night it was? Check out your Bible and see what is happening. Throughout the whole Old Testament, the Lord keeps on reminding them that memorable day. It was a big day to remember. It's been said that the Bible said the water 
went left and right and become like walls on the left and right. Now, try to imagine you if you were part of that congregation. Have you ever seen something like that? Everything was frightening, including the deliverance. You look at the water. Some people say 250 meters, about 7,500 7, uh, feet. Some people say there's no agreement. But even if it was 100 meters, you look like this, water, and you cross it. You just say, And when the Egyptians saw that, they said, oh, we can as well. And they engaged in the pursuit. So we're going to finish them off. Moses said, this is the last time you see these Egyptians. You will no more see them. And guess what? They crossed safely. The water closed on them. And the Israelites can see from the seashore the dead bodies of the they had known God as Jehovah. Now they know him as El Shaddai. God the Almighty. A day to remember. A day of deliverance. You may think that's extreme. Yes, it's extreme. But the resurrection of Jesus is even more extreme than the immortal dies to save the sinners. God could have said, okay, you've seen, I'm going to start it all over again, I'm going to create new people. Now, for God so loved the world, this world, as he created, he's not going to go to hell. I will send a redeemer for you, the greatest miracle of all time. The plan was revealed to Moses from the outset. In Exodus chapter 6, Moses goes in chapter 5, he goes to speak to Pharaoh. Do you know what happened? He speaks to Pharaoh, the Lord God has sent me to say, let my people go and serve me. Pharaoh said, okay. Lazy people. Lazy people. Jokers. You're going to work. We need money. It's recession, inflation, devaluation. We need money. Lazy people. Because you've said that, you've revealed your intention to flee away, to sabotage. You're going to increase your workloads. Hardship. You're going to produce the same number of bricks, but without the supply of Strokes. Now, the strut was taken and brought from very far, sometimes from abroad. And they're telling them the supply will cease. But you have to produce the same number of bricks. And you yourself need to find the straw to produce the same number of bricks. The Bible says the Israelites were scattered abroad, all over the place, to try and find straws. Do you know what they found? Stubble. Do you know the difference between a straw and a stubble? A stubble can also be a straw. 
but can be a straw when the straw has been removed or has been burned. Those very, very sharp that are in the field after the burning. How do they remove that? How do they even come with this bit? So they need to walk very far on foot and find that and come back with enough quantity to produce the same number of bricks. And guess what? The officers of the Israelites were wait, beaten by Pharaoh's taskmasters. Oh. Is that deliverance really? People come to Christ. They've been given false promises. God has a wonderful plan for you. We're not quite sure what that wonderful plan is. And then they come. The first thing they do, the first time they get baptized, they lose their job. And then, oh, what is wonderful? It doesn't seem like a wonderful plan. And then the hardship. And then break up in relationship. And this is the wonderful plan. And this and that. Do you remember what happened in Luke chapter 8? Jairus, a ruler in the synagogue, who came before the Lord God, Jesus Christ, and fell at Jesus Christ's feet and begged him. Those are biblical words. Fell at his feet and begged him. No praying, begged him. Because his daughter was dying. But that's great humility right in front of the Savior. And then something happened, there is a lady, you know, uh, you know, losing blood, etc. And the Lord stopped this important situation, turned here and start dealing with that lady who has touched me, and there's a bit of confusion there. Can you imagine if you were a jealous? What would you think? We just say, hey, lady, can you just wait? Okay, I'm the command, the rule of the synagogue. Wait! My daughter is dying, you know, blood. Attends, on va The Lord is not disturbed. He's dealing with that lady. Calmement, tranquillement, easily. And he finishes. He turned now to Jairus. And when he turned to Jairus, someone comes, a group of people come from Jairus' house. Don't disturb the master. Your daughter has died. What a situation. Right in front of the Lord, interceding, praying for my situation, desperate situation. It's getting worse right in front of God Himself. The Lord looks and says, Do not be afraid. Only believe. Your daughter will live, will feel well. God is not disturbed by His condition and situation. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? On the way of deliverance of the Israelite, things get worse. God is not disturbed. He has a plan for deliverance. You are a believer. You trust in God. His deliverance is total. It's 100%. From faith to faith. Jesus the order and the finisher. But faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. Otherwise, you create your own psychological faith, which is not one. It's by strengthening one another as we're doing this morning here. 
that we will grow in strength. That we will trust the Lord. That we will know that in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delight my soul. That God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. We need to trust God. He's now revealed to them that is the El Shaddai. He's revealed to them that is Yahweh Nisi. They get to marry, but tomorrow beat the water. God said, if you obey me, the things that happen to the Egyptians will not happen to you because I am the God that healeth thee. Yahweh Rovah. Revealed to them again. God is all in all. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous one. Why should we forsake God? Why? Because of hardship? Read Hebrews 11. There persevere. In the hardship. He was never meant to be a walk in the park. Guess what? God is not embarrassed to say in the word of God, they did not obtain the promises. It's written in your Bible. God is taking so long. You made me a promise. Now he's tarrying. Lord, I'm discouraged. They the heroes of faith did not receive all the promises, but they all died in faith. Amen. We're going to stop there today. Let's bow our head and pray. Loving Father, we bless you and we say thank you. Lord, we need you. We need your guiding hand. We need your strength. In our current and troubling situation, may you graciously deliver us and grant us peace that comes from you, which surpasses all understanding. We pray that we will find refuge and rest in you, according to your faithful promise. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because his trust in you. Be with us all, O Lord. Deliver us. Restore our troubled soul by the working of your eternal and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, the battle is the Lord's. God bless you.